0: Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales, and marketing leaders ideas to make the number.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Greg Alexander with Sales Benchmark Index, and welcome to our weekly podcast series. Uh, today, I am joined by Lee Wood. Lee is the Senior Vice President of Sales Operations, Planning, and Strategy. At Thomson Reuters, Thomson Reuters employs 57,000 people and generates 12.5 billion in annual revenue, and they provide intelligent information to decision makers in the areas of risk, legal, tax, accounting, intellectual property, science, and media. Prior to Thomson Reuters, Lee has a very distinguished career in sales and sales leadership. He has led sales for North America, has led sales for EMEA, and has led enterprise sales globally while he was at Dow Jones. With over 30 years of experience developing and executing sales strategies in the business information industry. And a little fun fact for you Lee and I first met in 2009. Seems like an eternity ago. And in the world where the average tenure of a sales leader is below two years. Lee, you and I have known each other for six, so we're already beating the benchmarks. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Lee.
2: Thank you, Greg. All
1: right, so the topic today is sales operations strategy. Uh, as the leader of sales ops, as we call it, in one of the world's biggest companies, I thought Lee would be a great person to talk to about this. So. My first question to you, Lee, is the structure of the sales operations department. Could you explain that for us?
2: Yeah, sure, Greg. So um, the sales operations department for the um, intellectual property and science business of Thomson Reuters is uh, structured into um, uh, three key areas. Um, The first area that... um, we have and focus on is sales effectiveness and development. So, this group um, does all of the salesperson and or sales manager training um, and also creates a lot of um, online content for our learning management system where we supplement those um, um, face-to-face trainings, if you will, with um, digital content, um, especially about our products. Um, The second area is uh, an area which um, covers um, a lot in terms of uh, our sales operations, uh, and that's a group that covers our contract administration, covers our sales performance analysis um, and reporting, um, covers um, our incentive uh, compensation, design, uh, management, and administration, um, and also covers our uh, CRM um, And what we do, as far as the CRM is concerned, is we support all of our users on the CRM, both our sales um, audience and our service agents as well. Um, And we manage all of the demand for the improvements to the, uh, the CRM. And finally, we have a program management capability within the sales operations group. And this program management capability oversees our annual planning um, so every year we'll come into the year with projects. Um, and our, our projects are um, orientated against uh, certain focus areas. Um, and uh, this, this team oversees our progress against all of those projects and um, actually also handles many other projects that come to us that don't necessarily fit into any one of the core areas that, um, that I've described. So that's how we're structured um, here at IP and Science.
1: Okay. Let me ask you a question about sales enablement versus sales operations. When you just laid out your structure there, the training of the sales force, which would be a classic sales enablement function, sits within sales operations. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a debate in the industry right now, is, is that the correct way to do it? Should sales enablement be separated? Should it possibly report into marketing versus sales? There's lots of debate Amongst the thought leaders and the practitioners about this issue, what is your? Obviously, you've chosen to keep sales enablement and sales ops. What was the reason for that?
2: Um, They were really born out of um, uh, legacy reasons. Um, When I formed the um, sales operations group as it is today for this uh, for this business, we collected together all of the people that that were hitherto in. our, our business units, performing um, aspects of um, sales operations. And this was one of the areas that we, um, that, that, that we scooped up. Um, as far as the, the, the work that we you know, perform, I've described, we, we have a certain sales methodology which we train our salespeople in. Um, and we're also focused on uh, sales manager um, development uh, as well. Uh, and as I say, in addition to that, we create a lot of content for our learning management system. And all of that's, all of that's good, and I think it, it, it all works. Our, our trainers are very close to the, um, the, the sales organization, and we indeed, um, as a group, support into the head of sales and service uh, for the IP and science business. So we're, um, we're, we're well-coordinated with the sales organization. We sit amongst salespeople in our various locations and so on and so forth. Um, with, with, with that all said, um, I, I think that there are some challenges that we, uh, we, we face, in particular with regards to um, aspects of um, go-to-market when we're either launching new products or um, new, new um, features uh, to, uh, to, to products. Um, and, and that activity, to all intents and purposes, is managed by the marketing group. And um, I do think we could do a better job of uh, coordinating the different messages that salespeople need to hear versus what support people need to hear versus what our service agents need to hear and understand about, um, about the product. So I would say, um, you know, it's, 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 it's working, um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, marketing clearly are vitally important and um, yeah, there could be a, there could well be a case for it, uh, um, it it being in marketing, and maybe if it was, the aspects that could work better, um, may well uh, be uh, be bridged. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, if it's working, then it's not a problem. You probably have a long list of to-do items, so I'm not sure we want to add another one. But, uh, you know, this divide between sales and marketing in some environments is big, some environments is not so big, and sometimes a fix for that is, you know, if you think about it kind of as a links in a chain, you know, you have product management, which is determining, you know, what products are going to come to market based on the problems that the customers have in the target market segments. That goes to product marketing, which creates all the messaging and the content, things like value propositions and positioning statements. And the next link would be sales enablement which would then go train the sales force on that messaging. And then sales operations, which is to make sure that the sales team is using it, is efficient in the use of it, proficient in the use of it, so on and so on. So I've seen it go both ways, and um, you know I'm not necessarily sure that there's a rule, if you will, as long as it's working. So we're going to take a break here to make you aware of something that I think will be helpful. So we'll be right back.
0: Why is it that senior executives, CEOs, CFOs have magazines focused on their success, but sales and marketing leaders don't? General business magazines, such as Fortune and Forbes, almost never write about sales and marketing issues. At SBI, we know sales and marketing leaders have needs that have gone unmet, until now. Introducing the SBI Magazine, the premier magazine dedicated to helping sales and marketing leaders be more successful. Read captivating articles written by professional journalists about how sales and marketing leaders are making the number. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Let's continue our conversation. So it's an interesting structure that you have there. Um, obviously, you're in a giant corporation, and you're in one of the business units, IP and science. I mentioned at the top of the show, there were several other business units. I'm assuming that they all have their own uh, Sales operations leaders, your peers, uh, is that true, and if so, how do you communicate with them and how do, how do you establish a set of SOPs if you will, for the area of sales ops across the entire company?
2: Um, yeah we do communicate on a on a regular basis um, the um, that activity is in fact coordinated by um, a corporate head of um, sales effectiveness and sales enablement he does an excellent job of um, bringing us uh, together and um, we've been doing that for some time uh, now i'd say the best part of, um, of two years and we learn we know we learn an awful lot we learn what others are are doing i i learn from my colleagues um all the time when i when i when i meet them i Gaps in terms of what they do versus what um we don't do, and we pick up on many of those um, th- th- those those gaps to improve our uh, our service um, we're a relatively young sales operations group compared to sales operations in some of our other um, businesses so there's a lot to learn from uh, from them so we communicate um, at least once a month um, and one of the things that we 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 we're, we're doing Quite an interesting situation. Um, you know, there's one, there's one way to sort of get us all working off the same hymn sheet. If if you were, and that's to say, right. You know, as of a certain moment, you're going to be using this version of a certain system. Um, but I, but I think um, that's, you know, prone to some potential problems if we go about our business in that way because the way. We interact with our customers, um, and, and so on. Is, is in fact very, very different across the uh, across the different business units of Thomson Reuters. Um, the customer uh, is different. Uh, the products are different. Um, there are many, many differences. So um, maybe you know, just advocating for a standard system per se um, is is not such a good approach. So. You know, the approach that we're taking of, um, of late is to sort of define the, the, the global process standards, if you will, the global process um, sales effectiveness standards that we should all aspire to, and that's a piece of work that we're involved with right now. Um, and, of course, ultimately those, those um, um, operating practices will show up in workflow and so on and so forth uh, within our respective uh, systems, and I think, that's a, I think that's a very sensible approach.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that you talked about it in that way. There's folks that will be listening to this podcast and they're in a company of similar size who has decided at the corporate level to organize around the business unit. And they probably have general managers running those business units and within those business units, reporting into the general managers are functions such as sales and marketing and sales ops, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes I think people underestimate the differences you know, between the customers, the products, the competitors, the markets, et cetera, and they try to create this kind of universal sales operations department and and spread it, you know, equally across all the business units and try to do things exactly the same way, and it just doesn't work as well. So, my compliments to your company recognizing that and organizing correctly. Yeah,
2: I think I think you know we we're, we're trying to um, operate in a. in in a standard way over time against something like 16 different global process standards. And, you know, when we get to a point uh, where we are operating in similar ways um, across these um, different global process standards related to how we do account management for client retention, um, standardized demand management, account and territory management, sales enablement itself, you know, Standard governance, if you will, and, and standard practices as far as pipeline management and forecasting are concerned, then you can, you know, move to, you know, creating uh, one, you know, system, so to speak, that we all perhaps use. Um, but but until you've actually created standard operating mechanisms, um, thinking that a system will solve your problem is um, is is, I think, the wrong thinking. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the roles that you have in your org chart that is uh, unique is program management. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I, I think it's a great idea, especially since you, you asked the program manager to handle the annual planning process and probably, you know, the quarterly business review process. Mm. So could you describe for the audience, you know, the role of program management and how you know, your business handles annual planning and the whole QBR or quarterly business review process? Um,
2: yeah, so in terms of the role, um, you're absolutely right. And right now, in fact, we are um, concluding our 2015 planning um, um, process um, by gathering all of the inputs Um, bottom-up from all of the people that work in our respective teams within sales operations. Um, And we obviously have a top-down view about the, um, the, the projects that will be important to essentially drive four sort of focus areas that we look at when we're planning. And the first one is delivering on internal and external customer requirements. The second one is enabling growth retention and scale. The third one is achieving our operational excellence. And the fourth is um, enhancing organizational effectiveness. Now, as a leadership team, we have a view on the things that we need to be doing or continuing to do um, to drive improvements in all of those areas, but so do our people. And um, you know, one thing we learned last year when we did this exercise, we came up with something like 50 plus projects. But when we went to the uh, folks in our teams to say, these are our projects, they said, "Well." what about this and what about that? And suddenly we went from 50 to 80 plus projects. Mm. Um, and so this year we've gone about it slightly different. We've got sort of bottom-up input as well as our top-down perspectives on what we need to, to do and drive. Um, and program management runs that. It effectively um, coordinates everybody to get the inputs, um, creates the, um, the opportunity for us to review all of those inputs, um, uh, looks at um, uh, prioritizing all of those inputs in in, in a way that we like to do that um, and ultimately drives to a um to a, um, a conclusion point about the plan for 2000 and um and, and 15 so that's, that's basically you know a key thing that the the program management um, office does but the program management office essentially is an is an office with project management skills it goes without saying and they will handle um, projects. And um, so, for example, one of the projects that um, this, this this group will handle is if if we acquire a business, we we've got to acclimate that business into our operating procedures and so on and so forth. Our program and our program office will coordinate that. They will make sure the acquired business users all come over to our CRM system. Um, and and uh, coordinate many other factors that go into um, making that a smooth transition. So that's just one of the things that they will um, they mm-hmm. do.
1: When you think about collecting input bottoms up, top down, and trying to come up with a list of projects and then prioritizing those, that's a challenge. You know, that potentially could lead to the flavor of the month program and a bunch of tactics that might not be coordinated well into a strategy. Mm. Have you experienced that? And if so, how have you, you know, what's the lens upon which you consider a project?
2: Um, well, the, the, um, the lenses that we look at projects, um, apart from the focus areas that I've described, the strategic focus areas, um, are a... Um, are, are, are some different categories. Uh, one, one key category is what we consider uh, must high and plus. So, um, without looking at a project from the point of view of it being a low priority, uh, we, we try and categorise our projects like like that. Um, obviously, we're pretty close to the business, so I think we get it broadly um, broadly right. Um, but then, once we've actually categorised our product uh, projects like that, we don't assume. That we're actually going to complete all of the projects, frankly, in one of all of those three categories. So um, we, we say ultimately that we want to achieve um, 90% of the projects that are in the must category, 75% of the projects that are in the um, um, uh, other category uh, uh, of high, and then 50% of the projects that are in the plus category. Mm. So that's how we tend to look at things. Um, yeah, you know, we have. In any given year, uh, we are going to have, um, you know, more than fifty projects. And I think, you know, my learning about about this um, this year is actually, we've got to create capacity to do other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the other things that um, we just don't know about right now uh, that that tend to throw the curveball. And um put us off track with regards to the things that um you know we have considered as a group mm-hmm. important. Socialized also by the way with our sales partners and other partners. Um but it's it's having the capacity to deal with the unknown projects that are gonna come our way and they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um you know, one of these what I've I've mentioned already the um the the aspiration to sort of standardise around certain global processes. Um That's impacting my team. And so, you know, we've got to account for that and make sure we've got enough um, uh, capacity to deal with the demands that will be put upon us to support those projects Mm -hmm. that are not coming from my group as much as they are coming from the
0: Thompson Waters Corporation. Mm
1: -hmm. Lee, thanks for the commentary on that. We need to take a quick break, so we'll be right back.
0: Want tomorrow's best practices today? Subscribe to the SBI blog. These aren't best practices. These are emerging best practices. Maybe this is why SBI blog readers are the most respected sales and marketing leaders in the world. For your free subscription, go to salesbenchmarkindex.com.
1: Hope you found that useful. Let's dive back into the dialogue. So you have four strategic thrusts, if you will, and then you collect projects top-down, bottoms-up, and then you bucket them. Into your three areas of priority, and then set expectations around you know seventy-five percent, fifty percent, et cetera. I think that's a really good way to plan for the year, and then setting aside time and resource to, uh, have capacity for the inevitable project that you didn't forecast or projects. So I get it on an annual basis. How does that kind of roll out on a on a quarterly review process, or does it?
2: Yeah, we review the uh, the as a as a leadership team as our operation leadership team uh, on a regular basis probably more regular frankly than quarterly um, so we we actually have a bi-weekly meeting cadence leadership meeting cadence and and this review will, will show up through that process um, uh, of um you know regular team meetings um so um Obviously, as we come to the end of the year, um, it, it ratchets up a bit because, you know, all of these projects are built into individual goals. Um, so, you know, I'm keen to make sure that we've covered all the bases as far as the project is concerned because we'll be assessing people based on um, these projects amongst other things. So it's important. Um, and, and, and that's, um, it, it, you know... It, it's unrealistic, frankly, to think that we can get everything done, hence the 90-75-50 approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the known fact that there will be things that come and try and derail us. Um, so I think that's fair. Um, and uh, we take it pretty pr- pretty seriously. So towards the end of the year, it, it, it really does ratchet up when we're looking at where are we with these projects, um, how many are we going to complete, and so on and so forth, because it's important from the point of view of annual review. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, thus the the need for project management expertise mm. and uh, program management people on your chart. I mean, these are projects, and projects have project plans with project yeah, objectives. It's, it's and,
2: an interesting point on the yeah. projects. Sorry to interrupt you, Greg, but, but one of the things that we, we we've done uh, and again um, learned, you know, so obviously what we've what we've tried to do is is make sure everyone knows the project management basics, project management. Uh, 101. I think everyone, everyone, frankly, um, in whatever capacity, um, sales as well, uh, needs to have some idea about how to do project management. Uh, and we've we've put every one of our um, sales operations staff through uh, project management 101. Um, but not everyone can be a project manager. You know, that's um, that's that's. Uh, an observation um, I'm having. It's, um, it's all very well to say these are the templates that you use. This is how you typically go about managing projects. Managing projects is about driving people to, di- uh, to, to deadlines, and not everyone likes to do that. Mm-hmm. So not everyone can be a project manager, and that's another factor uh, when it comes to thinking about you know, capacity because there are some that can and there are some that can't.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. One of the members of our team, Mike Drapeau, was a Commodore on a n- nuclear submarine in the Navy for 11 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, to say he knows how to drive people to deadlines is an understatement. He drives all of us crazy. But through that process, <laughs> I've uh, I've gained an appreciation for the type of person it takes to do such a thing. So exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. Let's get to reporting. So there's a lot of complexity in your environment, and you have a very structured uh, organizational model and a structured, uh, cadence, which I love. How do you identify and design and create a set of reports that consistently satisfy the needs of the leadership team, but on the same token, you know, it doesn't create almost, um, you know, too much administrative overhead.
2: It's interesting you asked that question because, um, we, we've just driven this year, um, to a, um, a a standard um, monthly report for the sales leadership and um, a standard monthly um, business review uh, format as well so these are two hmm. different reports um, and the way the, the way that you do it is you have to work really really closely with the sales leadership you, you have to provide the sales leadership with the purview the that they that, that they want, um, and in order to drive to a standard format, we had to do a lot of socialising around what we considered to be the best practice because we could see all of the reporting practices across all of the different uh, sales leadership um, teams to come up with a, a standard uh, standard format for um, reporting um, their performance um, year to date and obviously year to go with some different. Um, Pipeline perspectives and uh, different, um, um, you know, forecast projections. So um, you've got to work really closely with your sales leaders. Um, they've, uh, they've, I think, it's you know, getting to a conclusion about sort of standardising on these things is about mutual respect and trust. And um, I think you know we've done a we've done a good job of uh, talking with them, socialising ideas. Taking inputs, um, creating you know the, the, the standard templates, checking again, making sure this is going to do the job, and um, you know ultimately agreeing and aligning and, and 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 going with it. And of course, you know beyond that, it's about you know improving, continual improvement. So there's there's always going to be different things that um, people want, and uh, we'll respond to those as well, and we'll we'll we will add them. But without sort of creating 25 pages. That's not right. the point. You know, it's, it's, we, we need to keep this succinct and clear um, and, you know, it, it, in, a, in, a, in a format that sort of drives decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we recently worked on a project where the CEO asked us to come in and look at his corporate strategy mm-hmm. and then create a set of marketing and sales reports that allowed him, you know, in a fairly straightforward way to measure progress actually on a weekly basis, as to whether or not marketing and sales was remaining aligned with the corporate strategy. Because sometimes everybody's aligned at a point in time in the year, typically the beginning of the year, and then as the year moves on, you know, things kind of scope creep happens and they get out of alignment. And uh, you, you raise an interesting point, right? I mean, 25 pages per report, multiply that by a dozen reports, and next thing you know, you need 15 people just producing reports. So making sure that standardization there happens. Um,
2: you know i i think the way we look at things is you know commitment what is commitment how do we define commitment from the sales organization what's um you know what's what's best what's the best case um, scenario for uh, forecasting and what's um what are the swing deals basically yeah you know what are, what are the deals that you you are going to coach around um because it's those deals that are going to um, bring you between uh, the commitment and a best case um uh, prediction yeah interesting you mentioned uh, marketing because I think the alignment, uh, you know, one of the things I'm picking up on this year is the the alignment for effective sales and marketing um, uh, relations and and, uh, working together is the marketing operations function. So we, you know, you know, well, the sales operations function, this audience will no doubt know sales operations function uh, as well and what it does. But it's really, really important to work closely with marketing operations because effectively marketing operations is measuring the effectiveness of marketing. Mm -hmm. Sales operations measures the effectiveness of sales and enables the effectiveness of sales. Um, So does marketing operations within marketing. And it's really key we work together.
1: It is key. You're right. And unfortunately, many companies have yet to recognize the value of marketing operations, so therefore haven't staffed it. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that marketing follows the same path that sales did. I mean, not too long ago, sales ops wasn't as established a discipline as it is now. So hopefully that, that gets fixed in marketing. Lee, we've got to take a quick break. So let me come back to you here in a second.
0: Many sales and marketing podcasts are all talk. Boring, tired advice that sucks valuable time from your day. Had enough? We thought so. The SBI podcast offers executable insider strategies from proven professionals, not useless chatter. Go to iTunes and search for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast and subscribe.
1: One other thing, uh, well, I guess the last point, Lee, that I wanted to talk to you about that I always found fascinating about you. You know, you were a classic sales leader. I mean, you led sales for North America, led sales for Maya, and then led enterprise sales globally and then you made a career decision to go into sales ops and that's a different career path than many Um, and I think it was great that you did that and I think your company was very smart in staffing the SVP of sales ops with a former sales leader because you mentioned the word trust and whoever's in that sales ops job has to have lots and lots of credibility or it's just going to become the you know, the dumping spot for all the stuff that nobody else wants to do. It becomes tactical, not strategic. So tell the audience a little bit about why you made that decision as an individual and why your company chose to staff sales ops with such an experienced person such as yourself.
2: Well, it was the, I mean, it was the confluence, I think, of um, a couple of things. Um, aside from an um, Greg, as you say, you and I go back at least six years and um I've always been really interested in the um the sales operations side of um things as you as you well know. Um but in terms of of um the the conference, if you will, what happened was um well first thing, I'm not getting any younger, so I'll share with your audience that I'm um, I am nearly sixty years of age um,
1: are you really? <laughs> you look like you 're thirty. Your nickname yeah. internally is james bond
2: i <laughs> 'm um, so not getting any younger um, South leadership i think is a um, is, is is an extremely demanding uh, role and uh, i didn 't envisage being able to meet the demands of the role frankly for the next five years um because, uh, you know, um, that's just a fact of life when you get older. Um, so I thought, um, given my interest, when the opportunity came up to create a unified and global sales operations team, um, I thought that that would be you know, a great opportunity, a great opportunity for the company and a great opportunity for me because I've always been very interested in the function and what it does and how it enables uh, sales. So um, it was, it, it, it was uh, really the confluence of those two events um, that caused it to, to, to happen. Um, as you say, I'm very pleased that the company took the opportunity to put me into that role because um, you know, it worked for me, but it also, I think, works for my, um, um, my sales partners and, and, and stakeholders because they know my career um, I worked with them. Um, in fact, in my early days at Thomson Reuters, as a peer, um, and so there is a lot of trust and confidence. I think in 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 me, um, as I have in them. So um, it, it was luck, I suppose. <laughs> but you know, knowing knowing that, um, you know, it's worth thinking about uh, from from the point of view of um, other companies who are, uh, you know, thinking about you know, how to staff sales operations. Um, it's uh and for me um you know just speaking personally i've uh, you know as, a, as an experienced sales leader, I thought I knew a lot um, I thought I knew a lot about sales operations, but I certainly don't know as much about sales operations as I do now, yeah. having set up the function and um you know and and, and run it for the last uh, uh two years, so I've learned an awful lot about mm-hmm. uh um, you know, sales operations and effective sales operations. And we're, you know, we're, I think we've done a reasonable job, but there's also more to do. So mm-hmm. um, it's a great career move, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, um, it's one that I think will hold me in good stead going forward as well. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we're at our time window here, unfortunately. Um, let's just do a quick recap. So today we were joined by Lee Wood, who runs sales operations for Thomson Reuters IP and science group. And the topic was sales operations strategy. And we touched on kind of four big topics there, if you will. So the first was kind of the structure of the organization. and we learned how Lee has some unique functions on his org chart, program management, project management, et cetera. We talked about the annual planning process, tops down, bottoms up, uh, a way to bounce projects against strategic imperatives and then rank them. Um, and making sure that everybody has expectations as to what's going to get done, what isn't going to get done, and to leave some slack in the system to accommodate the projects that were, you know, not foreseen. And then we discussed reporting, you know, and how to provide the leadership team the information they need to make critical decisions going forward. And then lastly, you know, Lee spoke a little bit about his personal decision to move from line sales management into sales ops and why the company decided to staff it with that type of person as well. So it was As always, Lee, it was very insightful, and and on behalf of all the listeners and and the firm, SBI, thanks a bunch for giving of your time and sharing your wisdom. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh,
2: you contacting me,
1: Greg. Great to talk to you as
2: usual. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thank you.
0: Bye. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.